25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Does anybody know what day it is? Can anybody tell me (laughs) what day it is? What is this? What time is it? Did I sleep last night? (laughs) Welcome into the show. I'm Matt, sitting right beside my buddy Caleb Hamill. We're in the Farm Bureau studio, which is on location live day three. Day three. day three of the SEC baseball tournament. And day two didn't finish until it was day three. Exactly. We'll tell you how all that worked out as uh, Caleb and I sit up here in the press box above first base as we speak right now, Ole Miss and Texas A&M battling it out. It's zip-zip bottom of the second A&M batting. So just getting started, Rebels and Aggies. I'm Matt, Farm Bureau Studio, the show right now connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire customer inspired. Caleb, the question is, did you get any sleep? Just enough. <laughs> That's about all I can say. Man. Yeah, and, and y'all are staying out there in the, um, in the uh, RV. Yes, the RV lot out beyond right field. And I tell you, that is a wonderful amenity to have after a game like last night. Yeah, yeah I'm listening to your intro just then of Jack Crystal and – Jerry Clowney and all, and I started thinking, man, what was the longest game Jack Crystal had to call last night? Yeah. Uh, compared to last night's compared game for Jim Ellis. <clears throat> right. I, I don't know. I, I would love to know. Um, let me – let's say hey to um, – uh, let's see. Let me where's – my, where's my clip here? Here we go. Let's say it's hey to Roger. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. It's a beautiful day beautiful in the day neighborhood. Neighbor. Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Hey, Roger, what were you doing at 3 a.m.? Uh – Probably snoring. <laughs> I'm told I do. I do you know, I've never heard myself. Well, do I, let me ask you this. My dad and I, did we, did we lose our man card because we didn't stay here for all 17 innings of the game last night at the stadium? <laughs> Roger. I don't, I don't think. What do you say? Well, here's what happened. We stayed. I told you this before. We were here. Dad and I were here for every single pitch of a 17-inning game, State versus Missouri, several years ago, and State won it 2-1. to one. Because of that, I didn't feel like we had to stay here for every pitch. Seriously. <laughs> you we're paid like, your dues. We paid our You've dues. done your time. And we were both so zapped. I mean, like I woke up at 4.30 a.m. yesterday morning, and so if I'm here till the game finished, I don't go to sleep. You know, it's been 24 hours, you know. So around the 14th inning, we zipped on back to the hotel to finish watching it over there. Uh, that's just the honest to goodness truth. It's but you watched it all the way through. No, uh-uh. <laughs> Didn't do it. I couldn't make it. I, I fell asleep, and uh, he did too. And then we got up this morning and figured out what happened in those last few innings. I couldn't take it. So The calming tones of Jim Ellis. <laughs> well, yeah. 
Yeah, and I've got a clip on that. Here's the winner. Here's the uh, here is the walk-off winner in the bottom of the 17th, called by the Jim Ellis on the Mississippi State Radio Network from Learfield IMG. Here's the pitch. Hard hit ball up the middle. Base hit. Around third. Headed for the plate. Here comes a throw. Bulldogs will walk it off in the bottom of the 17th. Mississippi State. Gunner Halter with a base hit up the middle. A marathon ball game won by Mississippi State. Six to five here at the Southeastern Conference Baseball Tournament. Caleb, the game that you sat there for last night, State wins 6-5, sends LSU to the loser's bracket in 17 innings, lasted almost seven hours. It felt like it, too. It did, didn't it? <laughs> i tell you what, the, the hardest part about that game is you get into the latter part of the regular set, you know, set of innings, you know, yeah. eighth and ninth innings, and then you get into the extras. And each time it felt like Mississippi State was in a pinch on the defensive side. Yeah. And they were in the catbird seat offensively. Yeah. But things never got around to where a run was scored. Right. And, and you felt like you were just tense the entire time. Anytime LSU got runners on base and with less than two outs, even with two outs, and their crowd would come alive and our crowd would come alive. And the atmosphere – for that type of game, it could have only happened between State and LSU yeah. in the evening hours. You imagine yeah. this kind of game happening, or that kind of game happening at one o'clock in the afternoon? I know. No, somebody would have given in by then and said it's too hot out here to keep sure. playing this game. Sure, yeah. but it, it eventually came through. Even though LSU played it a run, and State fans were just like, "All right, well, I guess that's it." What was that? Played, the fifteenth inning. Sixteenth. Uh, Sixteenth. Okay, so top of the sixteenth. Sacrifice fly. They scored a run from third. Right. And go up five to. Wait, I'm sorry. Go. They went up five to went, four. Went up five four, and so you go bottom of the sixteenth inning. And at and, this point, State has not scored in twelve innings. Right. They hadn't scored in twelve innings. You go bottom of the sixteenth, and um, everything in that bottom of the sixteenth down by a run led. To Jake Mangum coming to the plate. Now, was was it one guy on base or two when Jake came Runners up? Runners at the corners. Okay, so you had two on when Jake came up. Hits a ground ball to the second baseman, and he boots it, and the tying run scores. What was the – all right, so you're in the 16th inning, okay? They have a lead. LSU has a lead, 6-5. They make this play. It's, it's ball game. Yeah, exactly. And he and he boots a routine ground ball and it allows the tying run to score in the 16th inning. What was the reaction in the stadium from both fan bases? What's that fake word that everybody tosses around? Pandelirium? <laughs> Pandelirium. I'm say, guys hugging one another and just saying, <laughs> my goodness, that, we're still in this thing. After, yeah. after the long drought of nobody scoring runs, you thought in that top of the inning is like, well, that, that's it. We may as well pack up and just get ready to watch three up, three down or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And lo and behold, LSU finally made an error. Yeah. And they, they, they made the error that, that, frankly, they never made in the series in Starkville. You know, in right. three games they never made one of those when you kind of, you know, needed them to and they didn't do it. Uh, and that was incredible. And, and so, yeah – uh, we got a, t- uh, a question here on the text line. 885-ESPN is the text line. It says, was it charged an error because it was a big bounce and then the dude kind of slowed the ball down? I don't remember. I'd have to look and see. Um, 
which I can't do. I'm going to look it up here on a box score. I, um, I wonder if, if they're thinking of the there. same play. There was a different play that was ruled a base hit. I can't remember who hit it. So that might have actually been a different uh, uh, There was ball. a slow ground ball hit toward a right of the mound. No, they did rule it an error because uh, the official box, you look at the play-by-play, it says Mangum reached on a fielding error by the second baseman. It allowed uh, Landon Jordan to advance to second. Rowdy Jordan scored. It's an unearned run, and it tied the game at five. Yeah. In the bottom of the 16th. And I, I want to say that I think the play they may be thinking about, whoever texted the show, there was a single, I cannot remember off the top of my head because there were just so many innings that ran together, but uh, there was a time where the eventual losing pitcher for LSU, and that was uh, Hilliard, yeah. came off the mound and tried to field a ground ball that the second baseman pretty much would have. It was rolling right to him, but came off the mound and tried to get a glove on it and just tipped it, deflected it between the infielders, and they rolled that a base hit. They yeah. didn't charge an error to him because it's just kind of oh, a well-placed yeah. ball. You probably yeah. remember that one. I remember that because there was a big debate up in the stands. People going, how they rule that a hit? You know, um, but it is what it is. Got a text here on the text line, 885-ESPN, says uh, that Lamonas, after the game, said he thought Mangum would have been safe either way, and I heard that in part of the post-game interview. I'm going to get to a text here that I missed a minute ago from Jay, who says he's very tired up in Baltimore, and he stayed all the way up to the end, Eastern time. I was just about to say, that's Eastern time. Yeah, so, Jay, you were up till 4 a.m., a little after 4 a.m. Here's what uh, uh, Jay texts the show. says, great win for the fans, but can't find too many benefits for the team. Disastrous situation for the bullpen for the rest of the tournament. Should the SEC implement some sort of rule to limit the length of these games? Football has tweaked its overtime rules. Baseball could place a man on second starting in the tenth. The purists will cringe, but we have to think about these kids in their arms first. Uh, and then he also said, go arrows. He's from Clinton. Here's the thing. You know, it's not uh, a crazy thought uh, because if you look, um, for instance, minor league baseball, I think AAA or AA or both. Or, but anyway, somewhere in the upper reaches of minor league baseball, this past year or this year, they're experimenting with extra innings rules that does place a man on second yeah, base. It's the to international start it. tiebreaker rule. The tiebreaker rule. They're, they're experimenting with it to shorten the games and, and shorten the wear and tear on that, you know, arm. See how it goes. And then, you know, with the potential that that could be a, a major league thing, you know. But major league baseball is kind of like golf. It's really hard to get rules changes here and there because, uh, you know, the, the people are so prickly about it. But I, you know what, Jay, for an event like this, I think what you bring up is an excellent point. It is your conference tournament. Okay, so, you know, it would be in a perfect world, the conference, because it is the conference tournament, would be able to go, hey, this is our tournament, and we don't want games going 17 innings. It doesn't benefit our teams win or lose. So we're going to do this. We're going to put this, and we're going to go extra inning stuff where we put a guy in second base to start it, see if that'll get it over with. The The problem is these games also count towards RPI and NCAA records. This right? is true. And so it, you can't – it would have to be accepted and everybody doing it on the national level for you to be able to do it in your tournament because right now the conference tournament is a part of the overall record and plays into the process of – going into the NCAA tournament or not. And what this yeah, – now, I will give credit to uh, who sent this in because I'm intrigued by this. I am too. Uh, because a difference, though, in the regular season and the conference tournament for the SEC is that you have run rules. If you score – if you have a 10-run lead after seven complete innings, 
they stop the game and say, all right, we're packing it up and moving on to the next game as yeah. a way to speed up the process. So who does that? Uh, this team. This, or this, this, this conference. Term. Uh, oh, yeah, the 10-run rule. Like, that happened Vandy-Auburn yesterday, right? Yes. They finished it after eight innings. Correct. And during the regular season, that doesn't exist. Otherwise, right. the That's South true. Carolina State game would not have gone to the full nine innings in a 24-7 finish. That's exactly right. So, it depends on how the rule book is written for NCAA because they leave it up to the conferences to allow run rules or not. Right. Uh, and then whenever you get into actual postseason regional stuff, you just have to play the full game. Right. Well, I, that's a great point. Caleb. Perhaps the NCAA can allow a conference decision on yeah. IBB or international tiebreaker rules. Yeah, right. Perhaps. That's a really interesting point. Appreciate Jay bringing that up. Uh, Walton texted the show said, uh, how about Skelton behind the plate? 17 innings, zero pass balls. Gunning down the lead runner in a key spot late in the game. Skelton. Yeah. And he had some big at-bats as well. Uh, no doubt about it. He worked G- a lot of counts. A Gator Nation said, what's the most uh, innings ever played in the SEC tournament, the most innings in any college game all time, I'm wondering, uh, signed Gator Nation. They tied it for the conference tournament. 17 is the record. They tied that one last night. I don't know what it is for all of NCAA. Yeah. 17 innings between State and Missouri back in 13, I believe it was, 13 or 14. Sounds like it could have been that. Yeah, yeah. it went to 17 innings. But, the, but that game, this game um, – now is the longest SEC tournament game ever played by and, time mm-hmm. by in terms of length of time yes at a, yeah, six hours and 43 minutes I think was the official length of the game six hours 43 minutes almost seven hours it was longer than the previous longest game by an hour and a half it's just incredible hey here is Chris Lamonas down on the field talking to reporters after the game finished and his team won in a walk-off 6-5 in the 17th inning at 3 a.m. A long night, or early morning, I guess you could say. Um, great game by both teams. I thought we um, played really well early on, and then we lost some momentum of the game. They got the big hit, and then we kind of got gridlocked there. So um, I give our guys a lot of credit for keep competing, making plays, making pitches when we weren't real offensive. What can you say about your bullpen tonight? Really good. I thought they were all good. I thought Cole Gordon was outstanding, uh, as good as I've seen him all year. Riley Self was really good. Uh, I know Lee's misses one pitch there, gives up the home run, but and then Keegan came in and pitched great there at the end. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan went home about the eighth inning, so he went back to sleep. I doubt he slept. He probably laying in his bed. Um, but, yeah, we'll go Ethan and figure it out from there. Is that the best James has pitched this year that you've seen? I think so. I mean, he's pitched pretty good. So, you know, I remember Tennessee, he pitched really good. He's better out of the pen. So when you let him come out of the pen, he's got pretty good stuff, and it plays up there. So let's talk about the conversation with Cole Gordon. I mean, usually when you go out, the pitcher comes with you. But uh, what was that like? What did he tell you? No, I was actually going out there to ask him if he had any left in the tank. But about halfway there, he started barking at me that he wanted, he wanted this last guy. So I just pretty much turned around and came back to the dugout. What did you think of the environment as the game went on, too, that all the fans, so many of the fans stayed around? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, we, that's when we finished the game. We had so many fans sitting above our dugout still here at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. It says a lot about uh, both fan bases because we still had a lot of people in the house. Um, pretty neat night. Gunner's a guy who's been in and out of the lineup all year, but when you see a guy like that come in and make the big hit, I mean, what does it mean to the team? It was huge because I jumped him in the dugout. He missed the bunt, and I got on him a little bit for that. Then he walked around like somebody took his dog. And um, he came out in that last inning and, and, and 
gave us a great A-B that we haven't had all night long. And he's a really good, talented player. We've been facing a lot of righties, so he usually faces our lefties, so he hasn't been in the lineup the last couple days. But um, he'll be out there if we face a lefty. You've called this team a bunch of grinders, especially on offense. Is this the ultimate in grinding? I think it is, but we lost our grinded approach about the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. So we, we had a lot of bad at-bats in there that's uncharacteristic of us. Um, but they, they grinded out the night, I can tell you that. So when Mangum hit the little tap for towards second there, the fourth in the time run there, I mean, was this a little Mangum magic there, or did you have it all the way? I don't know. I thought he was going to be safe anyway. Uh, the, ma- the Mangum magic's when he one-hopped the wall, and we would have scored, I think, on that ball. I was sitting there shaking my head, but um, he just competes, and, and he runs down the line so fast he puts a lot of pressure on the defense. I thought the play there was when the play before when Rowdy tagged up on the ball to center field to get to third. All right, that's Chris Lamonis interview after the game out in front of the dugout. Uh, several things. I, you know, I saw that moment when he goes out there to talk to Cole Gordon, and you thought, okay, they're going to make the change here. He's tired. He was at 69 pitches uh, in his outing at that point when uh, Lamonis went out there. Yeah, but you could see Cole Gordon telling him, you know, I'm, let me get this guy. I, you know, I'm going to get this guy. And then he ultimately, it was either a pop-up or a ground out he was able to get and uh, get out of it. And that was a key moment. You know, Cole Gordon, his outing was great. On that note, you know, at one point they came back after, um, you know, the the middle of an inning. I'm sorry, after the bottom of an inning. He goes back out for the top of the next. And when uh, television came back, of course, you could see before he ever throws a warm-up pitch, the umpires go out and take a look at his glove to see if there was some type of sticky substance or something going on there on his glove and apparently I mean I just assume and everybody else does too that that was initiated by the LSU dugout um cue the gif of Paul Maneri hopping to home plate yeah I just I gotta tell you I mean to me you know Cole Gordon a senior who's pitched in all these big games and stuff and and here you are in an SEC tournament game and you're in extra innings and are you serious? Are you are you kidding me? An SEC head coach and somebody in his dugout have decided he's got what pine tar? He's got Vaseline on his glove. You can go check his glove, and he's dripping from head to toe with sweat. And send somebody out there. I just I cannot get over some of the stunts that that Paul Maneri pulls sometimes. And people are like, how dare you say anything negative about Paul Maneri? Yeah, they've had all the success. And they do have magic at this tournament here in Hoover. There's no doubt about it. Hats off to them. But the absolute <laughs> – what's that word from that movie? The, the unmitigated gall <laughs> to, to call the umpire over and send him out there to check Cole Gordon's glove. I mean, who are you? What – planet are we living on Paul Maneri you've got to be kidding all of us you're the LSU Tigers you're one of if not some people might argue the premier baseball program in America okay you don't do that at LSU you just don't do that at LSU yes they couldn't hit Matthew Beck for the four innings that he played and I was surprised when they pulled him and he just had a terrific delivery that fooled every single hitter. They could never pick up the pitch. And that didn't mean they were having to accuse him of using illegal substances or saying, oh, that's an illegal style of pitching or anything. Yeah. They just play ball. I, I mean, it's just 
it really is beyond me. And I know it was late at night, okay, but there was no alcohol in the LSU dugout. Therefore, there's no excuse <laughs> to have – I mean, in real life, Paul Maneri, the coach at LSU, tells the umpire to go check the glove for some substance from Cole Gordon. You've absolutely got to be kidding me. For that kind of Bush League move at a place like LSU, I got news for you, LSU fans, you deserve better than that. You hear me? LSU baseball, that program, that fan base, you you don't deserve a Bush League move like that from your coach out of your dugout in an SEC tournament game like that. Absolute Bush League from Paul Maneri in the LSU dugout. Check his glove for a substance. Give me a break. Grow up, first of all. Get a grip, secondly, and play the game. Win, lose, either way, shut up, Paul Maneri. My name is Matt Wyatt. This is not Caleb. My name is Matt Wyatt. The Farm Bureau Studio on location at the SEC Tournament in Hoover. Give you an update on this Ole Miss A&M game going on right now when we come back. Stick around. second out of the inning. What you have going on right now is down on the field in front of us here in Hoover at the SEC tournament, the Hoover Met. You have two outs for Texas A&M batting in the bottom of the fourth against Ole Miss. Two outs in the inning, but runners on the corners. And the starting pitcher for Ole Miss, Doug Nikhazy on the mound, trying to navigate this. He just got an infield pop-up there for the second out. Trying to strand those runners on first and third. And uh, looks like he's going to do it. Got a ground ball to get himself out of it right there. So there you go. We'll stay scoreless. And uh, you don't have a big crowd here uh, for this ball game. There's a little bit of shade underneath us, so I can't see. The people that are sitting out in the sun are fanning frantically trying to stay cool. Here we are, Farm Bureau Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau, somebody you can deal with. One-on-one, face-to-face, a local agent that in that time of need, they're going to feel like a hero to you. You have that fender bender on, you know, Sunday night at 1030 on the way home from church. Uh, You can just call them up. You got a cell phone number. It's somebody you know personally. Heck, you may go to church with them. They're right there in the community. That's the way it works at Farm Bureau, and that's the way it should work. I'm here with Caleb Hamill. Told you all yesterday, Caleb's an up-and-coming young broadcaster, play-by-play announcer in the state of Mississippi. Did a lot of work um, 
this past year for West Jones. He was on the call for their 5A state baseball championship. Caleb's joining us here. Uh, he comes to the SEC tournament every year, so having a good time. Caleb, having you in the booth, I appreciate you doing it. I tell you, it's good to make memories. Still making memories in Hoover Metropolitan Stadium, and uh, I think that game last night is one that I will not forget anytime soon. Yep, Caleb sat up right here in the stadium for all 17 innings of that. Six hours and 43 minutes. Longest game in SEC tournament history by a long shot. And State walked it off eventually against LSU 6-5. to five. LSU goes to loser's bracket. They're going to play the next game of the day against Auburn. It'll be LSU and Auburn in an elimination game coming up on day uh, game two here on day three. Right now it's game one, elimination game between Ole Miss and A&M. Ole Miss still looking for its first hit. They're about to bat in the top of the fifth inning right here. Um, on the text line real quick, in regards to my LSU Bush League asking for the other pitcher to have his glove checked out, does he have a sticky substance in his glove helping him strike us out? Just complete Bush League from Paul Harry in the LSU dugout. Fluffy Bottoms says, tell us how you really feel on the text line. You want to text me, you can, 885-ESPN. 885-ESPN, that's a 601 number. Tim says, are you kidding? LSU always pulls stunts. (laughs) Now, how about this one? Um, It says, Matt, he's trying to win. This is not Sylvester Croom coaching. This is big boy baseball. Winning is the most important thing. I hope Lamonis eventually gets some of that fire in his belly. Um, Well, I would say this um, with 100% certainty. That's not fire in your belly. I mean, like, I kind of get what you're saying, and I know I'm maybe picking on the wrong part of your text, but, you know, to say that get some fire in his belly like that, that's not fire in your belly. Calling out, you know, send the umpire out there in the 15th inning to the mound to say, hey, he's got something on his arm or on his glove. That's not fire in your belly. That's bull. That's what that is. That's complete horse, you know what, manure. That's, I'm that's, tired of seeing this guy pitch and strike our guys out. Let's yeah. see if I can get him out of the game one way or another. That's I'm going to get what I want by whining about it. I, it's just that's not firing your belly at all. So that's the, the point of contention. I don't um, mind anybody making the point that any coach needs to get more fire in the belly. You know, fire in the belly would be call your team out there on the logo and give them a good what for <laughs> in the 15th inning and motivate them. Heck, I don't know. But, again, yeah, the idea that whatever it takes to win, I, I get that too. But I'm sorry sending the umpire out there in the 15th inning after you've swung and missed for four innings against Cole Gordon to check his glove is complete, whiny, Bush League bull crap. And the LSU baseball program deserves better than that. That's my thoughts on it. All right. So uh, Ole Miss right now is still looking for the first hit. In this ball game against A&M, it's a 0-0 game, top of the fifth, elimination game, Aggies-Rebels. If you go back to yesterday, the reason Ole Miss is here is they played a really tough, uh, good, but also really tough ball game against Arkansas. Arkansas really good. Ole Miss uh, battled them, but Arkansas kind of, you know, uh, took control of the game a little bit late and uh, and overcame. Ole Miss um, put two on the board in the fifth, tied it. You were at a 2-2 tie there for a little bit, then took a lead in the sixth inning, jumped ahead 3-2. You thought, oh, they might pull it off. But then a couple of runs in the bottom of the sixth, an insurance run in the eighth. Arkansas won it yesterday uh, 5-3. Here's what it sounded like on the radio on the call. From David Kellum, these highlights from uh, Learfield IMG. Zach Phillips checks the runner and delivers. 
That was hit back of the middle. Kessinger dives for it, flips it to Bench to first for a double play. Wow. That was impressive. Cops delivers. Swung on, and a ball hit to right center field. On the run is Fletcher, the right field as well. Fletcher makes the catch, tagging at third, and heading home is Bench. He'll score the throw to third, not in time. Dillard advances, and it's 2-2. Two two. Sack fly for Gray Kessinger. Ties it up. RBI number 41 on the year for Kessinger. 2-2 two two to Graham. Swung on, ground ball toward the second baseman. Glove there by Kinley. He'll throw to first. A run will score, and Ole Miss leads 3-2 to two as Graham puts it in play on the right side of the infield, advances both runners, and gets RBI number 29 on the year. Another tight one in the SEC tournament. The 1-2 to Keenan. Swing and a miss. He struck him out, and Ole Miss will fall as Cronin strikes out all four. He faces the closer for the... Razorbacks closes another one, and that's number 11 on the year for him as Arkansas wins by a final score of 5-3, to three, and Ole Miss will play tomorrow morning at 9.30 against Texas A&M. And what we expect will be a heck of a pitching matchup, Doug Nikhazy and John Doxakis. And, hey, that turns out to be hey, prophetic. Nostradamus over That's there. That's it. So those highlights, David Kellum on the call on the radio from Learfield IMG, last thing out of his mouth is about the game that's going on right now. And, yeah, it has turned out to be a heck of a pitching matchup. Doc Sackis right now, no runs on two hits on the mound for Ole Miss. I'm sorry, Nikhazy on the mound for Ole Miss, no runs on two hits. Doc Sackis on the mound for A&M, no runs on no hits to this point. Uh, and we are now going into the bottom of the fifth with A&M coming to the plate. So after the game yesterday, after the loss to uh, Arkansas, Mike Bianco on the SEC podium followed by Thomas Dillard. Thomas Dillard was their leadoff hitter. He went two for five. He was the only rebel in the lineup yesterday against Arkansas with multiple hits. Here's that post-game interview. You know, obviously, uh, you know, disappointing game for us. Um, you know, Arkansas is, you know, so good. Um, and, and can beat you in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, probably, you know, the disappointing thing is, um, you know, we just didn't play very well. You know, gave them too many opportunities, um, you know, from, you know, a uh, couple walks. You know, I thought Zach was terrific. Um, but, uh, you know, two walks uh, by us and an HBP, you know, of three or their five runs. Uh, part of that's because we don't make plays in the field. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, you know, we just, you know, did, you know, had a few opportunities offensively that, you know, we just didn't capitalize, especially early, you know, twice, uh, I think in the first three innings, we had a runner at second base and, uh, just don't have enough good at bats, you know, to, to score. So again, try not to take credit away from Arkansas. That's why they're so good. But, uh, you know, to beat them, you have to play better than that. Questions for the players now. Hey, Don, I had one for each guy. Um, first for, for, for Thomas, what, what, uh, what did you think of Cronin? Um, he struck out the four guys he faced. What, how, how tough was he today? Right. Uh, Cronin's an electric arm, uh, one of the best fastballs in the country, and you got to give him credit. Uh, when it comes down to it in the eighth and ninth, we just got to have more competitive bats versus a guy like that. Um, in the SEC, especially the SEC tournament, you're going to get the best arms. That's Thomas Dillard and Mike Bianco after that game yesterday. Still scoreless right now, Rebels and Aggies. I'm Matt, Caleb Hamill with me. Farm Bureau Studio on location in Hoover. Day three of the SEC Baseball Tournament. Stick around. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. 
live from Hoover, Alabama, here at the SEC Baseball Tournament in Hoover Metropolitan Stadium. I'm Matt sitting beside Caleb in the on-location Farm Bureau studio here in the third-level press box up above the first base uh, bag, sort of kind of right behind her, uh, first base. And uh, right now it's a 0-0 game, elimination game, Ole Miss and A&M. A&M's the home team there, the higher seed right here. And uh, Ole Miss uh, starter, freshman Doug Nikhazy, kind of trying to manage uh, this thing right now. His offense not really putting much up. You only have a couple of hits on the board for A&M, no runs. They do have a runner on first right here with a couple of outs in the bottom of the fifth. Um, Doc Sackis, the starting pitcher for A&M, is cruising right now. Uh, through For him, through five, he'll go back out for the top of the six. But through five, no runs on no hits. And so he's cruising as well. Hey, check this out. My Twitter feed, I'm at Radio Wyatt. You want to tweet the show, do it. Anytime around the clock, appreciate that. M State Fan 1276 says, Caleb, you're doing a fantastic job. He even threw an exclamation point in there at the end of it. I feel like I saw that tweet one minute past the hour <laughs> to where we barely got on the air and said hello. <laughs> what are you saying, Caleb? <laughs> I'm saying we had a great loyal listener yesterday. <laughs> Attaboy. Attaboy. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, Somebody's uh, okay. So Rock of Alpha on Twitter says he signed up, met one of my former teammates, who's a has the training program there in the Jackson area. Yeah, Paul Lacoste, former teammate of mine. He's uh, was a great linebacker at Mississippi State. Great guy. Does uh, does a heck of a job training people, helping them get in shape. There's a strikeout, by the way, for Nikhazy, so he'll get Ole Miss out of it. We'll go scoreless into the sixth inning. Ole Miss um, up to bat, top of the sixth. Doc Sackis coming back out. Um, a little bit ago on the Twitter feed, Blake uh, tweeted and was curious and kind of asking a question <clears throat> that uh, how long could a game go? Let's say like you got a 17-inning game at 3 a.m. How long would it have to continue going before his question was, would they stop it, reschedule it, continue it later, that kind of thing. Rhett Hobart, who's uh, on the uh, – marketing kind of operations team in the athletic department of Mississippi State. He's working the tournament here in Hoover. He responded on Twitter and said that he doesn't believe there is a time that that would happen. They'd have to play it out just throughout the night into the wee hours of the morning. And uh, the real C. Collins tweeted me and said, the mood to have Gordy's glove looked at was straight Bush League by Coach M. They're such a great team and fantastic pedigree. Why taint the game? So much whining and complaining all the time. Play ball, Coach. And I'd have to say that uh, I agree with that. I agree, too. Here's something uh, that I wanted to ask uh, everybody's opinion. And, you know, you, Caleb, ask your opinion about this. I was doing an interview right down here in front of us. So we're, if you could picture this here in Hoover, we're sitting in – there's several levels of press box. And out here down the first baseline, we're up on a third level. This is where all the radio stuff happens. And right down here to my left, they're not here today, but the guys from WJOX in Birmingham were there. And so as soon as my show went off the air – they had me in for an interview. We talked about Moorhead's new contract and, you know, the new quarterback, Tommy Stevens, and all this stuff. But they threw a question in there. It's something they had been discussing, and it was um, about Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback at Alabama, compared to some other prospects. They had gone over a list that had Jake Fromm as a number one draftable QB coming out next year, followed by the guy at Oregon, then Tua third. And then they had this thing from a magazine 
that was an anonymous quote, an anonymous coach quote. So a quote from an anonymous coach about Tua Tagovailoa. They brought it up. Now I'm going to play for you that exchange, and then let's kind of see if I was off, you know, kilter. If y'all think I went a little too far, so here is this is from the show in the middle of the day on Jocks uh, Three Man Front. And that interview, or a portion of it, yesterday with Landrum Roberts. Out by CBS for the NFL, they got Jake Fromm going number one, Justin Herbert be the second quarterback taken, and then Tua, the third quarterback. Today, the anonymous source that came out from Lindy Sports. We had Matt Lowe on yesterday, but an anonymous coach said, "Quote: I think Tua needs to humble himself. I think he did some bad things in the bowl game, and that cost his team because he puts himself ahead of the team. Uh, that's, that's pretty harsh and, and really unfair." Yeah, and it's just a complete joke. You know, anybody out here, number one, publishing, quote-unquote, anonymous quotes. Here's the thing about it. Technically, if you don't have a, a source that you can name, you don't really have a quote, period. There's there's no credibility whatsoever to anybody who publishes anonymous quotes from scouts and all that. It's total crap, okay, first of all. And that take, I'll give you an opinion and put my name on it. Um, it it's total crap. The idea that Tua Tagovailoa puts himself ahead of the team and did some bad stuff—that um, is either made up and not real, or it's someone who lied about who they are and have no business commenting on college football. All right, so that's a portion of that interview. That was my take on it. I was not prepared for it. I didn't know that that was going to come up. It's kind of how I perpetually feel about anonymous quotes, whether it's GMs when they get up to draft time or coaches in regards to other programs and that kind of thing. Um, now, you obviously kind of know my take on it, Caleb, and in no way would I want what I think about it to kind of you know affect how you think about it, feel about it. But anonymous quotes, that idea, what's your reaction to that, to publishing that and putting it out there to, you know, to get clicks and to get purchases and that kind of thing? What's the point? You're going to stay anonymous and you're just going to throw out something random. You have no credibility. As far as who you are, I don't know if this is, you know, some head coach out in the Northeast or if this is the the head coach at Hawaii who couldn't keep Tua Tungvaloa there in his own state. I don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not journalism. No, it's not, is it? It's not journalism. Having a quote, writing something, and, you know, but it's anonymous. Here's the other thing to me. This phrase... I can't wait to ask Brett Hudson about this. Brett Hudson, Brett underscore Hudson, a part of the team. He's going to be on the show here coming up in a bit. But I can't wait to ask him about this. To me, on the surface, this phrase, this moniker right here, think about it. Anonymous quote. That's an oxymoron in and of itself. It's not a quote if it's anonymous. If it's anonymous, it can't be a quote. <laughs> By definition, and we're posting this stuff out there and putting articles. We got an we got a quote, you know, an anonymous quote or anonymous coach. You're not a coach, you know. If it's anonymous, you don't have a quote. You don't have a source. You don't have a quote if it's anonymous. That's kind of the way I feel about it in regards, to, especially when it's like open criticism on this kind of thing. And then the other thing is, from a football perspective, the idea that. For, for, that I'm supposed to believe that any paid coach who's paid to coach, all right, and is supposed to know football and watch it, 
is is going around and actually saying that in his opinion, Tua Tagovailoa's problem is he puts himself before the team. That he's got to kind of get, he's got to humble himself and stop putting himself before the team. That it is the most asinine take. So I really believe what you have in 2019. You have certain magazines. They need to sell. You have sometimes it could be writers or websites, and they need the clicks that are making up quotes just for attention to get a rise out of people, and they're crediting it, crediting those comments to an anonymous coach. I think they're making it up out of thin air and saying that they spoke with coaches and had this stuff off the record. Um, I, you know, that's what I think. Yeah, I mean, and in general, my impression is that most coaches, they're, you know, they're not going to tell you stuff that is um, like out of their heart of hearts and tell you to go print it and then say, hey, but, you know, make it anonymous. They'll either tell you stuff on the record or they'll tell you stuff off the record. But if they tell you off the record, you can't go print it anywhere. You can't go do it. And even if it is anonymous, you don't go do that. So I just I had a real problem with anonymous stuff. It has to be one of these types of things where journalists have such a tight relationship with a coach and it's the coach's decision saying, hey, don't don't attach my name to this. Yeah. Because if you want to move the needle, you're going to mention the coach. Yeah. Because that, that's going to move it more than anonymous because me, a, a consumer of media, is just going to say, well, I don't know who it is. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, exactly. It's just, I, I just kind of, it really bothers me. You know, especially when it's a really bad take. <laughs> that too. You know, and I think, you know, it's probably hypocritical to a degree for me because if it was a really good take, maybe I don't react to it quite the same. <laughs> you know, and like, oh, well, he's right. But when it's such a bad take, you know, when it's really – you just – I'm just telling you, you're not going to find a real living, breathing coach in college football with a set of eyes who's watched – to a talk about lower play who's going to look at you in seriousness and tell you he needs to humble himself because he puts himself before the team it's the most asinine thing but you're getting that and i guess what i'm doing as much as anything else is you know if you listen to my show i kind of want you to understand that i want you to be clear i want you to be educated and understand you have a lot of media out there you have a lot of stuff being thrown your way that frankly is bogus it's made up. And, and, and a lot of these anonymous coach quotes, the people that are writing it are just making it up out of thin air. That's what they're doing. You need to be aware of that. Coming up after the top of the hour, Brett Hudson joins us live in Hoover. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. 